Coming up, the Brooklyn Nets take care of business on their home court, 109-102 over the Orlando Magic. Depleted as they may have been, this one was all about one Kevin Durant and an all-time performance from him. We break down the sweet stroke that is Easy Money Sniper, all coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there, you're going to find Doug Norrie, owner-operator of DFSR, for all your daily fantasy sports rankings. From DraftKings to FanDuel, he's got you covered. I'm Adam Armbrecht, breaking down the New York football giants on the One Giant Podcast with my boy, Andy Mack. We thank you for making us your first listen of the day, free on all those great platforms. And Doug, hey. Any way you win it, it all still counts, and it's all a little bit easier to watch when Kevin Durant is putting on an absolute clinic tonight at the Barclays Center. Yeah, man, 45 points, 19 to 24, 87% true shooting. It's about as efficient as you can ever see a guy get. Uh, the Nets needed every single one of it. Sure. <laughs> and the other thing that's been a theme for the for the team for most of this year. But, you know, this is just one of those games where when you have a cheat code level player on your team, then you can just kind of sometimes survive that with not everyone else either, you know, playing their best or you losing guys mid game for injury or, or whatever else. Cause that's just how good Kevin Durant is. And I will say, you know, through it all, this is, this game is an example of why during the summer, when the trade requests went in, <laughs> you know, when it came down to it, when we were like, I mean, I, I, maybe it was more a little bit more me with this, uh, this crazy thought of it, but it was like, Hey, if it's between Sean Marks or Steve Nash or Kevin Durant, uh, get rid of Marks and Durant, get rid of Marks and Nash <laughs> and keep Kevin Durant. Because it's like these games where there's just so few guys in the NBA that can pull this kind of thing off. I mean, it's ultra efficient. No defense can stop them. It's not like the magic were throwing crazy defenders at him anyway, but mm-hmm. you know, I don't, it's like one of those games where it didn't seem like it really would have mattered. Like he just was getting to a spot every single time. It and when he has this kind of game going and he's fully in his bag like this, like he is just the best player in the NBA. Like that's point stop. Like when he's playing like this, and when he brings it to this level, there's almost no one else in the NBA that can bring it to this level. And yes, it's sort of an inferior opponent. Again. 87% true shooting. Like you really cannot get more efficient than that in an NBA game. And just to drop 45, he was already the league leader in overall points scored this season by 15 and he just dropped 45. So it's just, it was all Kevin Durant, man. Unless you uh, are maybe shooting out on the open courts like Doug and I were earlier today. We don't need to talk about our stats, true shooting percentage. It was all strong friends, maybe for another day. Uh, to your point, from a pure basketball standpoint, like this is just what you love to see. It's watching LeBron James. It's watching Michael Jordan in his prime. It's watching Kobe Bryant. Like it's just, it's fun to see guys that are unstoppable playing basketball. And that's, of course, maybe your point about the offseason when we were having that discussion of like, you don't give up these guys, even if just for the pure entertainment value of watching them have one of these type of nights. You just can't replace them. You can't replace yeah. this. Like there's no you'll never get fair value in a one to one for that season trade for a guy like this. Like you just can't. It's 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 impossible. It's you. I hate to like, you know, stumble over it here, but it's just an example of why there is a certain class of player in the league. The list is very, very short uh, of these top tier guys 
that are just championship cornerstone sort of players and why you basically need one of these guys to even be in consideration for the championship, right? Like, I have an interesting one. So I, we're going to get into, uh, in one of these off days here, we mentioned our, our mid con or sorry, our first 20 game kind of report of where we think this team is. So we'll tap back into specifically that conversation around how valuable a player or anyone of that ilk, like Kevin Durant can be. But yeah, hundred, you're hundred percent right. He goes 19 to 24 in the, in this game, by the way, only took five, three pointers. So this was also like a throwback performance in that sense, which Kevin Durant, his game. or By the way, five three-pointers, four free throws. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, it was, yeah. Wasn't going to the line. Right. Wasn't knocking on the perimeter shot or wasn't attempting the perimeter shot and just did it like, again, this is like 90s basketball. I'm just going to go ahead and work the mid-range, get to my spots. And you mentioned two specifically here. In a matchup like this, for whatever the Orlando Magic are not in this game or in the season overall, they do have a lot of length. And it was like early, the first few minutes of this game, I was like, boy, and Kyrie Irving had it going early too. Um, and then it just became the Kevin Durant show. But I was like, okay, it's it's going to need both of these guys. Just because just the, the size and the length alone for Orlando, you could tell for the supporting cast, there's going to be some problems. There's going to be some issues. And that's where you go, well, where's my full proof? Where's my, where's my defender proof, my whatever you think you have, all the size in the world, it's Kevin Durant. And it, was, it really was a great reminder of like, this is what unstoppable basketball looks like. And there is, as you mentioned, a finite number of players that can step on the court any given night and say, oh no, I'll just go get mine. Like, I'll go get mine no matter how you plan on approaching it. And the Brooklyn Nets needed every single one of those points along the way. Well, because they really just didn't play very well. I, like, this is another example of as a team, this was not a game that you're going to put on the resume for a lot of these different guys. It was just not, it was not a very crisp game. They had made a ton of mistakes. They had a lot of turnovers. Um, they oh, just could let's just real quick. Let's just say, let's just uh, let's well, hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to go back to Durant. I, like I just, I'm going to stake it on Durant here because what I'm going to say is we'll get into the problems they had, but in general, you can overcome these things when you put, when you have a guy that goes like the next level kind of performance. Yeah. Like this is the other thing that like, it's the get out. It's like, break glass in case of emergency, get out of jail free card, like whatever example you want to use when you have a guy like Durant on a team and he's going to go to this level, you can just overcome tons of mistakes. Yeah. You can overcome Ben Simmons leaving the game early with an injury, which we'll get to later. Like you can come overcome all these other things. And I think sometimes interestingly enough with Durant, it it's, it's both a blessing and a curse, right? Because on the, on the one hand, you want to have a guy like this on your team because you can't really get to the next level without, without this guy. Also, at the same time, a guy like Durant will mask a lot of your problems <laughs> on a game-to-game -game basis because he's so good that it just wills you to just continue getting Ws when the rest of your kind of stuff might be a little bit or a lot of bit flawed, right? Yeah. So, like, I, it, this is – again, you'll always take Kevin Durant on the team, but I think, like, this is where – like, a guy like Kevin Durant is where – I think the really you have a lot of trouble sort of evaluating the rest of the team at times because he's so good. He plays so many minutes. They have to play him a ton just to like every single game because they can't seem to blow teams out at times. And then it's like, well, are they a great team or are they just like really good because they have Kevin Durant and a lot of problems, yeah. <laughs> right? Like I, I, it's really, really hard to evaluate the team, especially when he puts on a show like this. And, and it, it does come down to the um... – for as good as Kevin Durant can be, having the right pieces for when called upon, right? The, the other night with Seth Curry, when called upon, can you do, can you serve your role? Because nine times out of 10, Kevin Durant's going to handle that lift. The only other thing that I wanted to mention uh, too, just about this is in the all-time uh, Pantheon, top 25 scoring performances in Brooklyn Nets history. This, this one, 45 points, only sneaks Kevin Durant like just barely into the top 20 actually. 
um, because it'll be right in the mix there around that level of Kyrie. Well, there's, by the way, there's a ton of Kyrie Irving on this list. Yeah, there's a bunch a of Vince Carter here. Year, the yeah. Kyrie Irving going back to 2020, 2021, the performances against Detroit and against Dallas. But in terms of just at Brooklyn being at home, there's only another handful that really get above it. But I just, this is more just a fun little trivia here before we move into some other points of conversation. Who would you do you know the two probably I would say most surprising names that you're going to find inside of the top 10 all time scoring performances for the Brooklyn Nets for a single game? I'll never get this. I'm so bad at this. Uh, I'll give you the Darren Williams one because that's going back pre era. Right. Again, by the way, against the the, the defunct Charlotte Bobcats, 57 point performance. Does Levert have have like a random like 50 50 pointer in there? Like there you are, baby. Brooklyn Nets uh, 2020 on the road at Boston, 51 point performance for one Karis Levert. So it's like just when you look at this, though, Kyrie Irving is all throughout this list. Kevin Durant starting to throw them in there. And I remember talking about this back when they signed them of like how many records will start to fall the top 25 list give it the rest of this season maybe next year and all of a sudden over 50 60 percent of this list will be comprised by either Kyrie Irving or like tonight Kevin Durant oh my I'm so many so much wind in my sails for getting that Levert one right there I oh, never yeah I'm good never you. getting stuff like that I'm guys we just stop the podcast I, now <laughs> I, I held off I held off throwing Mike Newland at you 1979 didn't know if you were gonna Wouldn't go have pulled that one all right yeah. uh something you are gonna want to pull is our friends over at Turk. Toro is the world's largest car sharing marketplace with Toro. You can book any car you want, wherever you want it from a community of local hosts, browse a huge selection of vehicles for just about any occasion or budget across the U S UK, Canada, and Australia. Look, forget about the rental car thing. You have to go over to Toro. It's a better selection. They're going to be able to figure it out for all the different occasions or just events you have going on in your life. Toro has a car for it. You can book a spacious SUV. You grab a minivan. If you're taking a road trip, you grab a classic or luxury car for a special event, a birthday. You want to show up in style. Maybe you want something affordable economy car because you want to get from a to B try out one of the new electric vehicles. See if you had your eye on it to see if it fits your everyday lifestyle. Many Turo hosts can even deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by liability insurance. Terms, conditions, and exclusions apply. Forget boring car rentals and find your drive at Turo.com. Okay, so uh, Kevin Durant, epic performance, Brooklyn Nets win. Now, by the way, the Nets win this game on a 45-point performance from Kevin Durant by seven points ultimately at the end of this, and it, it did come down to the stretch there. If he had not played, this would have been a 75 to 80 point loss for the Brooklyn Nets. Like it's not a one-to-one <laughs> points go away. And what does the ratio look like? This would have been far and beyond one of the worst games we had ever seen. And I know Kyrie Irving probably would have done his thing. Um, and inside of that, I, I, I'm not pushing this to the side, but let's get it out of the way. Cause it does bring up a key stat. We mentioned Kevin Durant only took five knocked down three of his three point attempts. The Brooklyn Nets were awful from beyond the arc. Now, Joe Harris is a key culprit inside of it. You don't get anything really from Seth Curry in this game. You don't get anything from Royce O'Neal in this game. And this is the supporting cast problem that you run into. 9-17 for Kyrie and 20 points, just to be clear. But it really, in a game that you're playing, not only the Orlando Magic, period, stop. The Orlando Magic without the bulk of their best players and yeah, your role guys have to be able to, you know, to take over games like this. Like as great as the performance is from Kevin Durant, 39 minutes and 45 points, you kind of prefer that Kevin Durant is sitting for most of the fourth quarter instead of carrying the team to a victory like this. Yeah, look, they're 10 and a half point or excuse me, 11 point favorites when it closes uh, at, at tip over at home here against the Magic Magic without Wendell Carter Jr. Without Bamba, who've been playing the backup five minutes for them. Terrence Ross, they don't have Jalen Suggs. I mean, 
and jury's still sort of out on him. It's still better than what they were throwing out there, um, no matter what. Uh, the, the physicality from the Magic were a problem for the Nets here. Like, as much as these guys maybe aren't, I mean, I mean, Bancaro is going to be really good, and Franz Wagner is going to be really good, but they're like a length. They're, they're, they're length and strong. Like they're strong. They're they're strong guys, and that strength was a problem for them. And then you combine like the ultimate length and a guy like Bulbul, who looked, I mean, looks uh, looks unbelievable. And they, this team really gave the Nets a, a lot of problems in a way that, uh, as we've said many times, really shouldn't have been the case. Like they should yeah. be able to outgun a team like this, even with physicality issues but they're just continue to get inconsistent performances from everyone else now they do lose Simmons after 11 minutes um and that is that's a tough blow like Simmons has been playing really well um he's been he's just they've been plus in his minutes over the last five games by a lot and just having him go out <clears throat> excuse me and with it so soon with the injury is a loss for this team. And, and mm-hmm. it clearly showed, right. They had a super small rotation in this game, only four bench players played. And I'm barely even counting some there's seven minutes off the bench. It was basically just like Harris played 36 Curry 25 and cam only played 10. So they really just ran like all in all, like a five man rotation for this game. Mm-hmm. But you're right, man. Like they can't hit the threes. Curry's, you know, Curry was lights out yesterday, but Harris is still struggling. And this just seems to be a continued issue with the team is that I wonder at times for as much as Kevin Durant is so great, if there's just a reliance on the fact that Kevin Durant's just going to continue to be great. And that's just going to be the path to victory every game because they can't seem to just put it all. I mean, they've done it a few times, but they simply cannot seem to put it all together on nights where, hey, can we just shoot 45% from three and this is a 15-point win and it's just out of here with five minutes left to go in the fourth? But that just can't seem to be the case. And they they don't do that, and then they double down with bad turnovers, yeah. offensive rebounds, like or opponent offensive rebounds, and all this other stuff. I mean, the turnovers, some of these turnovers were just brutal. Brutal, yeah. like just letting the magic back in the game. And I hate to like walk away from a, a win being negative about this, but it just goes back to the original point about Durant. It's like, what is this team? We know Durant is great. That is that's Check. solved. That science is solved. <laughs> like the math is in. He's great. Like we don't need to really, there's no debate about it, right? But after that, this is where it gets so, so difficult to evaluate the team on a game-to-game basis because because Durant masks so much, you can live by shooting 32%. But you're just not gonna be able to live like that against the really good teams. This magic team stinks. They stink. Yeah. <laughs> like at yeah. one point they might be good. They're not good. And the fact that the Nets just couldn't put them away and still kind of struggle to the to the end is just I feel like it's going to be a theme for the rest of the season. I, this just feels like the case with the Nets here. Yeah, and we're going to be talking about it on the off day here a little bit about where we think this team is and what we think they can accomplish. But this game specifically, you mentioned they matched the Orlando Magic with 18 turnovers in this game. Like just play cleaner basketball and you win. Orlando shot 13 of 22 from the line, sub 60%. The Nets were 12 of 14, didn't get there a lot, but highly efficient. Like you out rebound them by set plus seven in rebounds. Like there's these statistical benchmarks as well inside of this game that you go, okay, you did this well, you did that right. The turnovers are absolutely frustrating. And then this is even a game you and I are talking before we got on here about how the last couple of games we said, boy, really strong backcourts start to give the Nets defensive problems. That's not the Orlando Magic tonight. These are better matchups for Joe Harris, better matchups for Royce O'Neal. And they did play better on the defensive end in those matchups. And yet, here we still find ourselves. And it just seems like, the exertion of trying to figure things out, and we'll get back to Ben Simmons and a couple other injury updates for later in the week here, but it just does seem like the focus that they're trying to, of trying to find this rhythm, specifically it's like carrying it over from the defensive to the offensive end, 
maybe it's Seth Curry coming off of his injury. You only play him 25 minutes, but you you almost can't have him give you the performance he does one game earlier and then be a total zero in this one. Joe Harris is being epically consistent in his total lack of production, but same thing with Royce O'Neal. Like it goes down the line here after Kevin Durant and certainly after Kyrie Irving, as he seems to be a little bit in and out of, of, I don't know, I say locked in game to game or quarter to quarter. And that's not even knocking what he is as a talent. You just don't know. Who do you look to? And I, I mean, we're going to talk about uh, not only TJ Warren, but also Yuta Watanabe. It's like Yuta Watanabe. You know why fans were gravitating towards him? Why I was getting psyched on him? Because he was, he was turning up in the big spots. Like he was making the buckets when they counted most. They just don't have reliability beyond Kevin Durant specifically. And it creates these bad matchup games. Give me a good team. Give me a good team from the West tonight. The Nets, even with his performance from Kevin Durant, lose by 15 or 20. And that's what I think is really a concern here. They get back to 500. You want to be positive. And also, tell me what the solution is going forward. Yeah, this is that we should title this podcast like "When Does a Win Feel Like a Loss?" Because this is this is just yeah. another a kind of thing, and I, I I don't think this is even us trending negative. I think it's just us trending realistic, right? Because yeah. yes, look, we can heap all the praise on Durant. This podcast has been the most pro Durant podcast in the history of the world. <laughs> like the, even through the trade stuff, just go back and listen to it all. I said it at the beginning. Like you can't get any more pro Durant than we have been in this. Had easily the uh, like the sort of the harshest takes on like the trade scenario uh, probably in the entire industry around what was like the net stuff so it's not not even about the ramp it is just about this other stuff there's weird fit issues Simmons again I, I'm not trying to put all of it on Simmons here but when he doesn't play it's a problem <laughs> like they're not really built to survive tons of like defensive stuff with him and length stuff with him when he's not on the court they don't have the players that they feel comfortable playing beyond him right like they're just and that, that was evidence tonight. And, I, you know, credit to Vaughn to some degree about just choosing his path and sticking with it here, right? Like he just knew that we're going to play. We're going to play the, the, the shooters, Claxton, and that's just going to be it. And it sucks that we're going to have to play Kyrie and KD 39 minutes each, but we have to get the win. And we're not even going to mess around with the other stuff. Like there's not yeah. going to be a Marquise Morris sighting. There's, there's going to be very little Sumner, Cam Thomas. It's just going to be KD, Kyrie, the two shooters, and Claxton. That's it. That's the lineup that can win. And I, I, I do credit Vaughn to that degree. And it just stinks that he probably feels sort of probably boxed in with the, the only way the, choice I could make. Exactly. Like right. With the way the, with the way the lineups constructed, the, 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 it's constructed when you lose Simmons and you don't have you to, I, I don't want to go to see anyone else either. Right. <laughs> right. And, and like, by that's the way, where they are compared to, and then we'll get into the, a little bit more of the Ben Simmons injury. Cause there was an update after the game there, after he left, um, unlike Steve Nash, when you go back to remember, we used to think, like we said, it, this is a uh, pinball bingo session where you just pull out a random number and say, you, you're in the starting lineup tonight. Since Vaughn took over, he's been far more consistent. Now, some of that maybe is built at, like you say, out of necessity, but it does just seem like, Hey, injury guy in and out of the lineup, whatever the case may be. Once he's picked his path, he tends to be pretty consistent in that decision. And then again, for better or worse, right? Was that lineup maybe the best version you could have gone? Didn't have a lot of other options on the table, but I'd rather I'll live with the results of, of the coach saying, this is what I think is our best way to win this game going forward, right? And not waffle on it or find a two or three bad minute stretch. Even from Joe Harris, he played 36 minutes in this game. I get it. The shot wasn't going down. He did some other little nice things, but there's nothing really to be excited about from what Joe's giving you, but they stuck with him. Why? Because that, that's what I chose. I chose to go with this lineup for the rest of this game. That's how we're going to go out and win this one. And obviously, even against Orlando, when you get the win, 
then you can lean on that. You can say, yeah, this is the unit that I trust. These are guys that have experience. A lot of these guys, by the way, in Kyrie Irving, Joe Harris, Nicholas Claxton, Kevin Durant, right? Royce O'Neal's the newcomer. Those other four players have played with one another over the last several seasons. So maybe you just lean in continuity and consistency to try to get the win. Yeah, look, no minutes from Patty Mills here. Like there was just there was definite choices around yep. who is maybe getting rotation minutes going forward or who's going to get like at least real rotation minutes going forward. And this just might be the case. And I don't know if they're you know already having to think about playing like sort of playoff style rotations because that's the where you find yourself at 500. Yeah. through 22 games, but uh, you know, it's hard to argue with it. If you just need the W's right. Like you're not going to be able to just tread water here through this Eastern conference for the whole, for the whole time. So, all right. I know we want to talk Ben Simmons, uh, what this injury might mean uh, for what, you know, what news we have about it after the game. I'm sure we'll probably get a little more clarity as the hours go on because he did leave the game early before that. I got to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. You want to be 100% certain you have the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps find the right people for your team faster. And you're going to like this word for free. Super easy to create a free job post on LinkedIn Jobs. You just add your job. You put in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile. You're going to spread the word that you're, you or your company is hiring simple tools, get screening questions in there. It makes it easy to focus on the candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview and hire small businesses, rate LinkedIn Jobs, Number one, that's a stat you like to hear in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the quality qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. Okay. So on the injury front, we said that, uh, Ben Simmons leaves this game pretty early. We get the update from Nets Daily and Chris Mulholland, friend of the show, who says that uh, Ben Simmons is day-to-day uh, ruled out for the rest of Monday Night's game, obviously due to left knee soreness. And just specifically on the left knee soreness piece of this, I had to go back and watch, but like he's obviously already had this once before this season. He's had fluid drains from his knee before this season. Like, the old hasn't played a lot of basketball in a long time, and you projected. We'll talk about Warren here maybe a little bit in a second, too, and you to want a Nabe's update. But when you come back from not playing a lot of consistent basketball and start playing a ton of basketball, this just feels like the natural progression, which immediately stagnates and stymies whatever continuity and chemistry and consistency you're trying to develop in these rotations. Yeah, it stinks. I mean, look, injuries happen, and they're going to happen to everybody. You're going to need rest days. You're going to need all this stuff. Uh, frankly, the Mets, in some some ways, the Nets have, um, I guess Kyrie sat on a bunch of games, although that wasn't injury-related. The um, you're, This this kind of stuff will happen to you over the course of a season. With Simmons, it's always super concerning when this stuff crops up because we have had cascading stuff with him happen in the past, right? He's mm-hmm. not too far removed from back surgery. He's talked about the knee pain he's had in the past. So this is somewhat reoccurring for him. Now, it didn't look bad in the sense that, you know, he walked to the locker room. We saw him and it didn't look like he left. You know, when he left the court, no one I don't think thought he was injured. And then you just see right. him a shot of him going into the locker room and then you get the report about the knee stuff. So, I mean, that from that standpoint, it's good because it doesn't look like anything bad. But at the same time, this is not new with him either. He's already missed time this season with soreness. And you're always going to be probably catching a falling knife with his injury stuff because 
I don't think he's necessarily injury prone, but he has stuff on the ledger here that is does lend itself to more long-term issues yep. like the back, like the knees. And I, I just, I'm look, I, I'm not going to, we're not, I'm not predicting anything with his injury stuff, but I will say, I don't think any of us thought we were probably getting a full season of health out of Ben Simmons just because, mm-hmm. you know, he's ramping up and this is the way it goes. The problem is that we've seen over the last few games where he's turned it on to sort of a different level with his game that the Nets really need this. <laughs> like they right. need his, they need him on the court for 30 plus minutes a game because he just does too much for their team. Like whether it's guarding the opposing, you know, threes, fours, or fives, uh, and he can handle switches. Obviously, the court vision's been looking great. He's been getting more aggressive going to the basket. Like that's all stuff we were hoping that would continue to build here. And so when you just hear that there's a problem and you know, we'll see what happens coming up on this Wednesday when, when they played the wizards, it just is, you kind of just kind of sit and wait at the edge of your seat to know what it's going to be and hope it's not something too, too bad and probably recognize that this will not be the last time it happens this season. No. Yeah. There's going to, like you said, the built-in rest days would be fine. It's the necessity maybe for those rest days coming off of little things like this. And again, we're only 22 games into the season. So where are we at 40? Where are we at 60? And where are we as the Nets fans fan base knows all too well, where are we as we're going towards the playoffs? And all of a sudden you don't have several key players. The other guys, we already mentioned the other last episode, um, TJ Warren targeting Friday. Yuta Watanabe is expected to return on Friday against the Raptors as well. That's a good sign. And I'll just tie it back into what you mentioned about Jacques Vaughn tightening up his rotations in tonight's game. You didn't go to a Markeith Morris. You didn't go to you know anybody else off this bench. You mentioned Patty Mills, a little bit of Cam Thomas, a little bit of Sumner. I, I don't know what's going to happen. We can't even bother dreaming on TJ Warren and what it could mean. But it looks like, like when Yuta Watanabe comes back, well, he's a 25-minute-a-night guy, seemingly, and seemingly becoming more and more important. And Jacques Vaughn mentioned in the pregame of this one, he said talking about Seth Curry coming off the injury and then also about Joe. I mean, so much of the pregame coverage on the Yes Network was about Joe Harris and his struggles knocking down the shot. Seth Curry talking about staying in your rhythm, et cetera. Vaughn said he, he's trying to balance these books, too, of reducing some of the minutes for Joe Harris so he can just kind of ease himself back into it. But you also want the volume, then Seth Curry and giving him some rest. When you just don't have enough bodies, though, it, 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 it's a tightrope. And now if Ben Simmons misses two games, it's going to put an additional strain on this roster before you get to Friday and you get a couple of guys back. So there's a difficulty there. I want to mention something just about Claxton and um, Ben Simmons that we've talked about. But do you, I mean, short term, there's no Markeith Morris minutes to be found here, apparently. There's no Patty Mills with consistency. And I don't hate it. It just means that you don't have as many contributors as you thought you did on this team. Yeah, I, and, and that's not like too different from a lot of teams, but it is just disappointing if that's going to be the long-term case. Look, we we have seen some minutes from these guys in the past, so I don't think it's like – I don't think it's that these guys are never going to play again. But, no, but it like is a little – spot starts. They're spot. But it is a little concerning that you don't feel like you can consistently get like 15 minutes a game from Markeith Morse, right? Yeah. Like that's clearly – that uh, that is – we can say that pretty safely about how they feel about him, right? Like you don't feel like you can get that kind of consistency from Edmund Sumner. Now, whether or not like Jacques Vaughn's wrong in that, like we've seen coaches make mistakes with this stuff to say, oh, you know, those minutes should be there for that player and it should be more consistent. And it's just not like this was the Bruce Brown problem last year. Right. It was like he was buried. He was buried. He was buried. And all of a sudden it was like, well, he's like the third most important person on the team. Now, is that coaching malpractice or it's like something else changed? Like it's hard to sometimes know Uh, it. The concern is that they don't appear to believe it 
right? Right. So like that, so whether they might be wrong, I kind of hope they are wrong to some degree because right. that would be, that would spell a much better future for the bench and for the, like just the de- overall depth of this team, because you just can't have Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant playing 39 minutes a night, every single game, even against the bad teams. You have to, at some point, trust some of these guys to go out and just play 15 minutes. Like they have to be trusted to do it. And they're just not. And, Yes, maybe every once in a while they are, but for the most part, like not really. Like Edin Sum, there's seven minutes, eleven minutes, twenty-one minutes, three minutes, six minutes. Like that's his last five games, right? Mm-hmm. When the team's been on the healthier side. That is not a player that's being trusted with any kind of like real rotational minutes. And, and there's all these Cam this, Thomas. Cam Thomas is the same way, 10 minutes tonight. Like Markeith Morris, just these, you know, every once in a while he shows up 13 minutes. DNP tonight, 13 minutes. Oh, sorry, two DMPs, 13 minutes, 18 minutes, four minutes. Like, it's just not, there's no, and look, some of this is because they're a little healthier in these other spots, so I kind of get it. But for the most part, this has been a shorter rotation team, and they kind of just, for a long season, you just do need some of these guys to play a little bit more or have a little more trust that they can go out there and give you quality minutes. And I think what we've seen time and time again is that they just don't trust these guys. (laughs) Like, they just don't, and that's, that's a problem. Yeah, and the one other thing you mentioned too is like again, Orlando. Why should you have seen minutes tonight from Markeith Morris and and fifteen minutes from Cam Thomas? Because you should have buried them. So these are the guys right. that should be giving you, to your point, the innings eatings that you need sometimes because you should be beating these teams more readily. And maybe that's really where their roles truly lie overall. The last thing I just want to mention before we get out of here is um, you had brought up the PBB, PBP stats, excuse me, when we were talking about Claxton and Ben Simmons and their on-off numbers. And I just I went back into them, not going to change a lot because there wasn't a lot of Ben here. The weird thing to me, the interesting thing is, when Claxton's on and Simmons is off, it's a 116, almost 117 offensive rating, 111 defensive rating. So it's a plus five. That's the only plus rating inside of these iterations of this team. That's 353 minutes. When Simmons is on and Claxton is off, it's a minus 219. Now, granted, Simmons plays so poorly early on in the season, you can make a case that that's probably trending in a much better direction as we move forward. The really weird thing to me is, though, when they're both off the floor, they're a minus three, 111 offensive, 114 defensive. But how about this? When they're both on the floor together, it's a 118 defensive rating, 117 offensive. It's a slightly minus number. Like, it's alarming. And this is what you saw tonight. When Ben Simmons exited the game, Nicholas Claxton came to life on both ends of the floor. There is a lack of of spacing and functionality for these two players. And we talked about the offensive end, but the defensive end too, to a certain extent, because it looks like maybe like you're marginalizing what Claxton's best value is, or you're trying to pick where you're going to put these guys in. We saw a lot of these late step over assist on the blocks from the, from the weak side when Kevin Durant was the primary defender. Claxton came to life when Ben Simmons was off. And it's just this, this little theme of a problem here that not only can these guys not play together necessarily, but they're actually damaging themselves and their best usage uh, when they're on the floor together. So yeah, maybe we'll get into a little more tomorrow, but like this is, I, this is I'm unchanged on this thought process. Like it's, it's been better. It's for sure been better when you section it for the last like 10 games or something like that. Um, But, but it doesn't, it's only marginally better. Like it's not, it's not the like defensive it, rating is what's is what's alarming. It's not what's wowing you, right? And they're still like they're still getting crushed on the boards with these guys together, even though they're even though they're bigger bodies, even though they're slight of frame, but they're at least taller. Like they shouldn't mm-hmm. be losing the rebounding battle this bad just based on height alone. And yeah, so I I, I think this is a continued problem. We'll talk more about this tomorrow because we're gonna get into just some sort of twenty two games in 
where our, where we stand with this team and just trying to just you know, sort of dissect, especially as it compares to some of the rest of the NBA. Because we'll go through some of these other teams and take a look at what we think is going to happen with some of these other teams. Because like there has been a lot of weirdness in the NBA this year in terms of like who are some of the risers and fallers that we just didn't really see coming. There's a few teams that are starting to stand out in terms of just like real championship caliber, but then there's like a big mishmash in the middle. Nets are definitely part of the middle group, <laughs> I would say right now. All right. Uh, in the meantime, make sure that you subscribe over on YouTube. This show was going up live on YouTube. Appreciate everyone that jumped into the chat. We'll stay for a few minutes here after, but on the uh, some of these back-to-backs, it gets a little tough. So, um, But make sure in the meantime that you are subscribing over on YouTube. Make sure you also like and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And, of course, when you want wins like this, there's no doubt that Jacques Vaughn turned to Kevin Durant in the locker room and he said, you're going to eat lightning and you're going to crap thunder. And that's Mickey from Rocky. Ah, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.